This is our summer home. Okay. Nobody's cutting together. So. Once upon a time. Welcome back to the Bean Dub Podcast. He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up. Yes. Nice. My name is Seth, and with me, as always, is Laura. And good, good, good boat of gravy. What? <laughs> like good vibrations, beat boys. <clears throat> oh, okay. I told you it wasn't that great, but it fits the movie. <laughs> I think it's fucking hilarious. But... I like I like gravy a lot more than vibrations. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> all, all types of gravy. All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you didn't know, on this podcast, every single month, we follow a director, writer, producer, or actor. Kind of went off track last month. But whatever. This month, we are talking about Jordan Peele. He is a very popular comedian. And just recently, since uh, 2016, I think, he started making horror movies. Last week, we covered Get Out. <laughs> and this week, we're covering Us. With as little animal intrusion as we can get. Here's hoping. You know what? Son of a bitch! You done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> Insubordinate and churlish. You done messed up, Bella. <laughs> you just have a stroke, Bella. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Before we get to us, U.S., We are going to talk about our weeks. So how was everybody's week? Exhausting. (sighs) Today, I think, was probably the most exhausting for me. But otherwise, I mean, it wasn't too bad of a week. Coming off of a little bit slower weekend at work and not really too much. Oh, I'm getting back on the food prep shit. Bought a whole bunch of food. Got real lazy with that for a while. (laughs) We've never been able to do it. It It wasn't too bad when I was really doing it and then summer hit and i got hella tired because of the heat way busier at work like pretty much all at once and i just got hella lazy with it yeah laura how was your week just exhausting you said that already what else (laughs) it's just whether we're busy or not i'm always busy yeah there's really no i mean i guess my workload is a little bit more stressful when we're busy because i want to be able to help out but i have so much other stuff that i have to do that absolutely has to get done like in a certain time frame that it's just hard yeah yeah fuck my life okay then i've got my eye on you jay quellen (laughs) (laughs) all these jay quellens out here causing mayhem living underground i don't yeah uh well my week was not great i didn't i didn't work a single day that was under nine hours fuck yeah Considering I had, to, I had to catch up on everything else after doing all of my education, I had to put off some accounts that I had to get back to. And that was fun. For the most part, just a lot of fucking driving. I had to set up an appointment to get my oil changed since I'm not allowed to go to peanut butter lube anymore. <laughs> we did watch, we all watched a movie in theaters, though. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah. We managed to get to see Doctor Strange in the multiverse of <laughs> Madvis. Fuck yeah, multiverse. 
it, it was in its last week that it was showing. We managed to get it to it just in time. Yeah. Yep. We 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 put it off for a while because Bruce still had to watch Spider Man, and I yeah. <laughs> have to force Bruce into watching movies now. I'm forcing him into a cinephile lifestyle. I think it's more that I don't know when I get home when I'm off work. I like to just fucking sit. Yeah. I don't really do anything except for just zone out and sit on my phone, which is terrible. But I guess it's more I don't like go out of my way to watch it. But if other people have kind of planned it out, that sounds really shitty. I wait for other people to plan my life. But <laughs> I mean, if it's already set up and ready to go and I know it's coming, then it's fine. Yeah. But if it's something like out of the blue, I'm a little less prone to doing it. Yeah. Well, nobody can really tell you how to spend your free time. Yeah. But anyway, we saw Doctor Strange <laughs> and the Multimerse of Madness, and it was pretty good. I can see why a lot of people didn't like it. It was I'm, weird. It was pretty dark. Yeah. It was very different. I, yeah, for Marvel movies in general, with the exception of maybe Wolverine, yeah. this was pretty dark. Yeah. Comparatively, at least. For how graphic it is... I think Deadpool's still worse. Yeah. I mean, it's rated R. Deadpool yeah. it can manage... For the Deadpool. violence and the gore, sure, but I mean, like... But none of that is in, like, a horror context. Right. And this was definitely a different vein for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, I really like that. I like that Marvel took a chance on Sam Raimi to direct a, a movie and gave him, I'm assuming, free will for at least setting up shots and making sure how it looks. Right, yeah. Because there's a lot of uh, Raimi aesthetic to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And that's what I like the most about it. I think I was expecting a lot more than what I got from it. But that's, I mean, that's just because my expectations were so high. I was seeing trailers the whole time. I'm, yeah. I'm in a horror community with the uh, straight chilling slack. So it seemed like everybody there was pretty positive on it. It seemed like they all really liked it. Sure, yeah. But it's a horror community. Right, yeah. They're going to like the Marvel movie that actually incorporates horror into it. Um, seems like everybody else was not that big of a fan of it. But it, I, I it, could understand if you're not a huge horror, horror movie fan, then. It sets up future shit for Marvel. It does, yeah. I also just feel like the idea of the multiverse was better handled in everything, everywhere, all at once. So yeah. having having seen that already, I think that the multiverse stuff was not as good as it could have been. Just seemed like it was a little overlooked. Mm. And we did watch What If, which I think described the multiverse even better yeah. than yeah. this did. I can't go into it. I mean, we're not doing a spoiler podcast about <laughs> about Doctor Strange, but I do like it. I I think Doctor Strange is one of my favorite Avengers, at least of the the living Avengers at this point. Borg. <laughs> but yeah, I I get it. Yeah, but I think that's that's all of our weeks. Let's talk about us. You're just talking about us. Let's talk about oh you and me. That's funny. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things, mostly bad. <laughs> don't think those are the lyrics, but I that really don't remember the lyrics. Be. So before we talk about us, baby, before we talk about you and me, yeah. let's have a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one actually 
is kind of cool and also relates to the movie. Uh, the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk is the U.S.'s oldest continuously running amusement park. Makes sense. Mm. It's been open and running full time since 1915. And it didn't stop during COVID? I mean, it probably did. <laughs> I would guess. But I would say even with that aside, it probably still holds the, the title. Because even still, it'd be like maybe a year. And it's outdoors, so they could get away with operating a lot easier. They than probably could have mm. in a much shorter time frame than a lot of other places. But they Now just, they can. At the beginning of the pandemic, people were panicked to be outside, too. Yeah. yeah. But there were still a lot of people that, yeah. that didn't give a shit the whole time. Very true. In Santa Cruz, though? But yeah, yeah Santa Cruz is like a It's a tourist attraction, community. though. Yeah. yeah. But even with a, a tourist attraction, I don't know with the community that runs it whether they would even chance opening it. But I don't know. It also has a wooden dipper coaster that was built originally. Probably has since been rebuilt, but in 1924. I don't want to ride that. Nope. <laughs> if it's been running for that long, that's a damn well-built ride. I'm sure, especially being on the coast, they've had to rebuild it quite a few times. Yeah. But still, if the original design is yeah, that but the, good, that's... the second I second I get on that ride, it's going to turn into <laughs> fucking Final Destination. <laughs> right. Try to hit that corner just a little too hard. You just yeet right off the end of it. Some singular screw somewhere along the track is going to fall out, and that's mm-hmm. going to fuck everybody's life. Just Not one, just yours. Just one screw. Just mine, then. Okay. Just, just one fucking screw. Yep. <laughs> Drops screw. down from the top. And goes straight into Sessai and he dies. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about us. <laughs> He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your husbands too. They ripping everybody up in here. Uh, yes. This movie's not about rape. But it is good. I suggest you watch it. Yes. Let's move on to spoilers. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> oh, okay. Us is... Director Jordan Peele's sophomore film, and the cast includes Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, Tim Heidecker, and a bunch of other people. That girl's name is kind of hard to pronounce. (laughs) And a bunch of other people. Shahadi Wright Joseph, Evan Alex. That's such a cool name, Shahadi. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yeah, yeah. And Anna Diop. The <laughs> I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. I'm sorry. I know the name that I got best was Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> the white one. Yeah, it's like the hardest name to mess up. <laughs> this is a good role for her, too. Yeah. Still it no was, spoilers, but that was a good role for her. I mean, it was a good really role cool. for everybody. Everybody yeah. did a really good job. Very true. I'm not taking anything away from anybody else, but it was kind of cool to see her play that character i don't know what else i've seen lupita in uh black panther i guess yeah winston <laughs> yes. duke was i guess in the too. main yeah winston duke was uh mbaku was digimon hong song in that one in black panther uh, i don't know if he was or not i think so i just wanted to say the name like that because it sounds funny digimon hong song digimon houston yeah. That's what he calls it. houston <laughs> so what do we all think about us from Jordan Peele, his sophomore movie, and how would it compare necessarily to Get Out? 
Oh, it's different. Very different. After we get through this part, we can talk more about the comparisons. Yeah, it's definitely different from Get Out. I still enjoyed it, though. I can't really say too much more without <laughs> going into spoilers. So do you like it more than Get Out? Not necessarily, but I think a lot of the times that you say different, it kind of has a negative connotation. Yeah. And I don't want it to seem like it was different, like I didn't like it as much. It's a different type of movie. Yeah. Now, I'm sure all of his movies are going to be kind of like that, at least so far. I don't think Nope is going to be like Get Out or Us. No, I don't think so. so we'll see you later. Um, Laura, what did you think about Us? It was good. I mean, like Bruce said, it was different, but I don't know. I really liked it. I liked it better on this watch, I think. Yeah, so it's a second watch for you and me. Mm-hmm. It was first for me. And you liked it more the second time? Yeah, I don't know why, but the first time I think it didn't seem as like scary for whatever reason. Probably depending on what you were making me watch at that point. I mean, it just was like, no, this isn't doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> Compared to everything else that you're watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, yeah, Laura's go to is to blame me for everything. Yeah, I mean it was it's it was scarier. Really noticed how good the actors were and having it be pretty close to home i mean we live like a couple hours yeah well not even i mean not like even two hours you know, like an hour santa and a half cruz. from santa cruz it's uh it's pretty interesting i've not been to santa cruz a lot but i'm very familiar with it drove through once that's it that's it never actually stopped in santa cruz well we're going in october nice to see all of tree that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> yep Let's hope the content goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think I, I liked Us a lot more on the second watch. Uh, the first watch, I guess I just didn't really understand much of what it was trying to get at. It didn't seem as well-rounded as Get Out, in my opinion. And the second time watch, you know, knowing exactly what's going to happen. I mean, even the first time I watched it, I kind of figured what the twist would be. Right. But I guess I I didn't really know that much about it other than it was Jordan Peele's second horror film. I don't remember seeing a whole lot of advertisement at that time, but it was also at a time when... Yeah, I don't remember there being a lot. Yeah. It was was there, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah, I don't think I'd be a good judge of it because at that time I was in a pretty big transition phase in my life trying to come here to California. Movies weren't the first aspect of my life at that time, so... Now it's your entire life. Yep. Got back to it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I appreciate it in that the performances definitely stuck out this time. They're all very good, especially Lupita. The women in general in this movie, fucking fantastic. Yeah. Elizabeth yeah. Moss, Lupita. Shahadi. Shahadi, yeah. Yeah, they were great. Great actresses all around. The The guys did pretty good too, but I mean... They were like supporting roles. Very much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how good can Tim Heidecker really do, so... <laughs> no, that's that's interesting, though, because I didn't really... I didn't even really notice that until you pointed it out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah very, very much highlighted the female actors in this. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, they were great. Yep. And they were definitely, like, the dominant roles in them. They yeah. were the, like, aggressive mm-hmm. characters in the movie instead of the men, which is definitely a, a different take on it. Yeah. All right, let's get into the spoilers of this movie. First, we're going to have Laura read the synopsis. 
A family's serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. Biggest spoiler of the movie, the fucking butler did it. With a lead pipe. In the library. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking we just get through my plot summary and then we can talk about the underlying meanings and deeper conversation afterwards. Sure. And we can get into it on the way, too. Yeah. Not, not full-blown, like, branches of a tree. Yeah. It's like a little little sprout. And we're not going to start off the conversation with, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning <laughs> of life? Yeah, pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not able to do that. It's the fucking smoking. <laughs> you don't want to be able to do that. And I'm done. <laughs> there was a girl. That was not bad. Shadow. That's not bad. That's pretty good. <clears throat> All right. The movie starts with a young Adelaide watching a commercial on Cal 11 News, Channel 11 at 11. Yeah. The commercial was a Hands Across America, a movement in which millions of people across the U.S. would tether themselves in unity. Yeah. I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. <laughs> but but you, you really said that, though? Yeah. <laughs> The weather was also supposed to be bad in Santa Cruz, which is the next scene at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in 1986. Adelaide's dad plays some carnival games and wins her a Michael Jackson Thriller shirt. The dope-looking shirt. Yeah, it it (laughs) really was really cool. It was way too big for her. It was just a dress. Yeah. Didn't she choose number 11? Yep. Mm -hmm. Chose number 11. Prize number 11. Adelaide gets a fresh caramel apple, but she wanders away from her parents and finds herself heading into a mirror maze on the beach. Dropping her caramel apple in the sand just before the rain starts, she traverses through um, the mirror maze to find a doppelganger of herself. And the scene ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the beginning, it was before the doppelganger even turned around. She just saw the back of her head. When she yeah, which made no sense because she's looking at the mirror. Yeah. So. Cut to lots of rabbits in cages and weird Latin chanting. Now current Adelaide, in modern day, is heading to a vacation home with her family in a forest near Santa Cruz. Adelaide, her husband Gabe, and their two kids, Zora and Jason, settle down and eat some fast food at the table while discussing their plans to go to the Santa Cruz beach. Later, Adelaide is angry at Gabe for suggesting that they'd go to the beach But she gives in and says they leave before dark. Jason plays some shenanigans on Zora while Adelaide reflects on her traumatic childhood after the beach incident. Yes. Apparently she had PTSD from it. She was non-responsive to her parents when they would try to talk to her. She was just a weird child. Mm -hmm. Also, turns out Gabe got a boat called Crawdaddy, (laughs) which is a total piece of shit. Yep. But that information is probably insignificant. On their way to the beach, Zora proves she's black-pilled by saying, no one cares about the fluoride in the water. And Jason tells her to kiss his anus. (laughs) So specific. Everybody gets uncomfortable with that terminology. (laughs) It does sound so much worse than kiss my ass. Yeah, the the dad literally said, I... At that point, I would have rather you said the, the yeah. curse word than yeah. anus. That just sounds really gross. Well, it's very specific. It's your asshole, not yeah. your ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the sphincter. Yeah. 
Spread the butt cheeks, kick that, kiss the asshole. He could have said, "Kiss my <laughs> gluteus maximus" or something. That would have been yeah, funny. But anus? Not, not the, yeah, the brown-eyed monster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem with talking about eating ass. It's just when it gets into the subject of them being siblings. I know. I know. It's it. I just. <laughs> I thought of another fucking. Nickname and it's just really stupid. You go ahead and share with the class, or I can move on. Um, it's called the Winking Stink Factory. <laughs> you should have just let me move on. Well, you said <laughs> share with the class. <laughs> you done messed up, A.A. Ron. It's an appropriate response. It's appropriate. Uh, at least they can listen to "I Got Five on It" and try but fail to snap to the beat. Oh, the, oh. <laughs> in the moment it irritated the shit out of me but I was like alright let it go it doesn't matter because I mean if they were recording the audio then they didn't actually have the song playing they snapped on the odd upbeats yeah I know it was really annoying to me too yeah <laughs> the, it's like you're oh. not snapping at the right place and, they, and she got the kid snapping at the exact point that she was too <laughs> it was really <sighs> upsetting Probably the most horrific part of this entire movie. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. They also see the dead bum with the sign Jeremiah 1111 that Adelaide remembers from when she was younger being lifted into an ambulance. He wasn't dead when she was younger. He was actually alive, still holding the exact same sign, apparently. 36 years before. Yeah. And surprisingly, they, they were pulling him into the ambulance and they didn't just take the sign away from him. Right. Like, oh, you can just or, take- you know, if he's dead, put a fucking body bag over him. Yeah. <laughs> he had, like, stab wounds. <laughs> I mean, they had to for, for the movie, for the effect. I get it. But. Yeah. Just a, a bunch of families driving by. <laughs> That's all right. Dirty-ass Jeremiah 1111 sign. Just perfectly poised to face any drivers going by. I wonder Man. what that means. I looked it up. Yeah, no, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, because you do no research. I don't have fucking time for research. I barely have time to do research. Finally at the Santa Cruz beach, they meet their friends Kitty and Tim Heidecker. <laughs> Kitty drinks a lot. Adelaide refuses to. Jason gets bullied by Tim and Kitty's twin girls. And Zora is in a state of constant embarrassment. Little poser-ass twin bitches. <laughs> She was wearing a black flag shirt. Yep. I wouldn't wear that, and I don't know shit about black flag. I mean, it's not that great of a shirt in the first... It's just the black flag symbol. Still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know why she's... I feel the same way about these, like, fucking 10-year-olds that are walking around in, like, Nirvana shirts. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Stop it. Jason wanders off, and Adelaide freaks the fuck out, telling him not to leave like that. All the kid wanted to do was take a piss in peace. Later that night, when they're back at the vacation home, Adelaide tells Gabe she wants to leave. She tells him about the encounter she had with her doppelganger as she was a child, and that she's afraid that it's still coming after her. The lights suddenly turn off, and they notice a family standing in their driveway. Gabe tries to scare them with his authoritative voice, but the creepy family won't budge. Okay, Dan. I've got my eye on you, Jay Queller. Damn it. <laughs> Gabe threatens them with a baseball bat, and the two kids scatter while the dad walks forward. Ugh. 
And that's when everything really takes a turn, because you know shit's going to go down. Both kids just, like, run into the bushes. Yeah, like... They got well, down on all fours. And yeah. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, fucking bugs or animals or something just, like, skittered around. Yes. <laughs> Skitter is the perfect term for yeah. it. It's like... Yeah, they ran like cockroaches in the light. Mm-hmm. The family surrounds the house, and the mother grabs a hideaway key rock to open the door. It's literally right outside the door on the sidewalk. Obviously a fake rock. Yeah, no other rocks anywhere near it. <laughs> Just one rock right outside the entrance. Oh, what, a, what a Gabe said. It was some white people shit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was some real white people shit, to put it right out there. In that obvious of a fucking place, that's... Yeah. That's dumb. I don't know. Everybody I knew that had a hideaway key rock actually put it in, like, with other rocks. Yeah. Uh-huh. They have, like, a rock bed outside of their house. Because smart. Yeah. Some dumbass shit. Gabe attempts to stop them from opening the door, but gets his bat stolen and his knee capped. Ridiculous. Which becomes an issue for the entire rest of the movie. Yep. He, he somehow got... Glanced. Yeah. Glanced, like, because... It was still through the doorway, which was, like, only partially open. And I feel like it's only wrist power that you could use to swing a bat at that point. There's not a whole lot of, like... Not a whole lot. There's not a lot of motion you can put into a bat swing at that point in that range. Yeah. Well, as I said, it depends on how strong your wrist is. (laughs) Y'all couldn't see that lure did jerk-off motion. (laughs) The clone definitely has to jerk off a lot. Every time he jerks off. Indeed. He just has more hair. Yeah. (laughs) Dude did have a righteous fucking beard, though. (laughs) Yeah. And Gabe did not. (laughs) No. This doppelganger family forces Adelaide, Gabe, and the kids to sit down on the couch. While Red, the mother of the creepy home intruders, tells them a story. She essentially tells them about a girl and her shadow that was tethered to the girl. Every experience the girl had was joyous and filled with love while all of the Shadow's experiences were cold and harsh, but they were forced to live an alternate life with exact results. Strange how that works, huh? Mm -hmm. Red has Adelaide handcuff herself to the table in front of her. Abraham, Gabe's doppelganger, grabs him and drags him outside, while Red tells Zora to run and sends her little monster, Ombre, after her. Finally, Pluto, Jason's doppelganger, is sent with him to go play while Red deals with Adelaide. And Abraham, like, really just drags Gabe's ass out of the house. Yeah. They made his doppelganger look like, much bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, way more daunting. And yeah. Massive. It was the beard. Yeah, yep. probably. It's the beard. <laughs> and, like, being, like, fully clothed in, like, one color. One, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a fucking jumpsuit. Yeah. And he's, like, in a t-shirt and shorts. Does that make him look very, like, intimidating? Nah, not really. Yeah, especially when you can see his weak-ass calves. (laughs) You would notice. Stop skipping leg day, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't never gonna stop skipping leg day, bitch. All the memes. (laughs) (laughs) As usual, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm the man of the house. (laughs) But I always skip leg day. Abraham takes Gabe for a ride on his shitty boat, but gets distracted by the engine crapping out. Gabe gives Abraham a solid bat swing to his cranium and knocks him off the boat, but his foot is still tied to it. The boat takes off and Gabe loses his balance and falls into the water. The boat leans to the left, so it makes a full rotation and comes back to him. 
He gets on, but Abraham pops out for one last scare, but a single pound to the rotor engine, and Abraham becomes Chop Chum. (laughs) Jason locks Pluto into the closet and makes a run for it. Zora is tracked down by Umbre, and they play chicken around a car before Umbre gets distracted by a random old guy confronting her, so she shanks the son of a bitch. While Red is releasing Pluto from the closet, Adelaide breaks free with a fire poker and escapes the house with her two kids that reunited with her. They run back to the lake where Gabe returns to drive them away. Meanwhile, Tim Heidecker is awoken in his comfortable chair by his bitch wife, telling him to check (laughs) on the person walking around outside their house. While they're arguing, their twin daughters walk out on the balcony, wondering what's going on. But only shortly after, they all get stabbed in their necks with golden scissors by their doppelgangers. Kitty drags herself along the floor toward her dead husband when doppelganger Tim offers her his hand, but pulls it a quick one on her <laughs> when she reaches out. Then she dies. That down low, too slow move. <laughs> <laughs> which, Slides it through his slick back hair. Which I, I have to say, because this is the only thing that ties my name to this is Good Vibrations was playing in the background during this whole scene. Yes. Well, they were playing Good Vibrations up until Kitty told... Ophelia to call the police. to call the police, and then it played Fuck the Police. Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Okay, now playing Fuck Fuck the the Police. police. Did it say by NWA or did it not? I think so. It did, yeah. I think so, yeah. I always like those uh, automated voices, because I just figured, like, if it was going to say it, it would be like... Okay, playing Fuck the Police by Noir. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, like, your like, uh, navigation always pronounces words, so yeah. you get wrong. There's some of them, too, that when they read the text back, if it's a bunch of gibberish, it'll try to say every individual letter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'll try. And then some of them just skip over and say the individual letters. Mm-hmm. That's better reading comprehension than a toddler. <laughs> Thanks, AI. <laughs> Adelaide and the family pull up at the worst moment possible. Kitty's doppelganger pulls Adelaide into the house, and creepy Tim Heidecker goes after Gabe. The kids head into the house and find weapons to murder with. Zora smacks the shit out of one of the evil twins, and it falls over the balcony onto a glass table. Bitch. They also get attacked it. by... Yeah. It prefers that pronoun. It. Okay. They also get attacked by the second evil twin, but Zora also smashes that one's brains in. Stupid little bitches. I like saying Zora because it sounds like Sora, but I also get it mixed up when I'm reading it with Zola, which is a, a movie. Mm-hmm. Not a very good movie, but See, it was a movie. I hear Zora, I immediately think... Um, Legend of Zelda. Me too. Zelda? Or it could be Zoro. No, the Zora is a species of beings in the world of The Legend of Zelda. Not a lot of originality in in these things. (laughs) Well, it depends on (laughs) where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Evil Kitty gets prettied up while Adelaide is tied up again. Meanwhile, creepy Tim Heidecker tracks down Gabe on his boat called the Biatch. (laughs) Such a good name for a boat. Gabe attempts to shoot a flare at Tim, but it does jack shit. 
<laughs> it does distract him long enough to beat the piss out of the dude, though. Kitty watches all of this from the window and silently screams, cries, and then laughs. All only making sound when you breathe in. <laughs> yeah, it was... That was, that was probably like one of the most disturbing things in the movie. I don't know how she made that scream Fucking crazy look. bitch. Yeah, like... like she was full on screaming, but yeah, no sound. Hear anything. It was like somebody hit the mute button as soon as she was getting yeah. ready to scream. Yeah, and, it, and then when she took a breath, they went, "Oh, unmute for a second. Yeah. Oh no, mute again." I mean, that's what I prefer if, if someone's screaming, but that was all her acting. It was very impressive. So good, so good. <sighs> and then the cry transition into, into laugh, laugh, yeah. so and then, creepy. And then just staring out the window and the Zora comes up behind her with the golf club and, mm-hmm. and she just does like a weird robotic turn and just grabs it before it hits her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. This bitch is insane. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, so while Kitty is distracted, Zora sneaks up behind her and tries to swing at her. But Kitty catches the putter and pushes Zora to the bed trying to choke her. Did they not have alternate names? I think they did. I just didn't put them in there. Oh, okay. I was just curious because it'll be. I, I think the the main alternate names matter for the main family. The yeah. main family. I, I'm yeah. not gonna. It's gonna get too confusing for me to read it. And it's already bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason comes in clutch with the geode though and gives Kitty a solid concussion. After the madness and multiple murders, the family sits down to see the news describing that everyone was being attacked by people in red jumpsuits. They also noticed during the broadcast a bunch of doppelgangers lined up holding hands in the distance. Adelaide influences the whole family to take Tim and Kitty's car and leave, but on their way out, they forget the keys. After heading back for them, Adelaide realizes that the twin that was dead on the glass table wasn't so dead, and she was gone. Obviously, Adelaide is attacked, but she's had enough of this shit, and she stabs the twin repeatedly. Bitch came at her like a spider monkey. (laughs) You done messed up, A.A. Ron! I think a lot of those sounds were actually in that scene, too. Yeah. He was throwing shit shit Just getting thrown around. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. <laughs> I feel like her name probably could have been Jay Quellen. It was probably Jay Quellen. <sighs> yeah. Gross. <laughs> didn't um, didn't Jason walk in while she was stabbing the twin? Yep. Do what you gotta do, Mom. He's like, do what you gotta do. Jesus. I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. She probably deserved it. <laughs> Finally leaving, Zora insists on driving them out, but they see Ombre standing down the road from them. Zora takes it upon herself to run Ombre over, but that doesn't work so well considering apparently she's a Cirque du Soleil gymnast. (laughs) Yeah, ridiculousness. Yeah. However, none of that matters because while on the hood, Zora slams on the brakes and Ombre is launched into a tree impaling herself and slowly dies. Adelaide still ends up driving them out of there until they approach their car that was set on fire in the middle of the street. Being the bad bitch that she is, Adelaide gets out of the car and faces down with Pluto, who's standing in front of the burning car, snapping. Jason realizes it's a trap. It's a trap! And they all have to get the fuck out of the car. Just before setting off a line of gasoline that leads to their car... Jason mimics the actions of a T-posing, a T-posing NPC and walking backward, which Pluto copies and walks directly into the burning car fire. Yar. 
He's holding his hands to the side so that he wouldn't light the match. Yeah. That he had in his hand that he was going to fucking... There was a line of gas to their new car. That part was cool, but I didn't understand how, like, the rest of the people didn't seem to be able to be controlled in that way. You know? But it was just a connection that the two kids had. I don't know why. It was just... Yeah. Yeah. They seem more connected than the others. Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably some with, like, childhood innocence. Maybe. Curiosity. Probably. But who cares? Kid fucking burn, baby, burn. It was a real smart move on his part, too. Yeah. Real smart. He saved his whole family right like there. Your windows, he's snatching your people up. Stop it. However, walking back that far also led Jason directly to Red, who scoops him up with a quickness and takes him away. Adelaide follows them into the old mirror maze, which leads to a random underground tunnel system with an escalator. Big-ass escalator. Strange that there's just an escalator down there that's still functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once she's in the hallway filled with rabbits, she searches the rooms, leading with her trusty fire poker. Got her out of a lot of really bad situations. Yep. When she finally finds Red, Red is drawing on a chalkboard in front of an empty class. Red describes to Adelaide how the doppelgangers underground were born special due to a government cloning program that was used to control the population. All the evil clones would be making the same or similar actions while in the underground tunnels as their above-ground originals were doing at the exact same time. Red explained that she had planned for so long for this moment to form a major attack against the surface-level bastards. Great scene, too. Just the back and forth. Yeah. Between the underground and topside, I guess, if you want to put it that way. And I think for cinematography, I think one of that that scene where Adel- or Red is describing it is one of my favorites. Because like, the whole side of the frame is taken by like Red's face while she's describing it. And it's like a little blurred. And then the background with yep. Adelaide. It looks weird. fucking fantastic. I don't know what that's called, but it's I, it's in a lot of like more classical films. And obviously, Jordan Peele takes inspiration from a lot of different movies. Yeah. So it's it's probably an homage to several different things. Adelaide has had enough of Red's explanation, and she attacks Red with no success. Red dodges every single swing that Adelaide makes and taunts her the entire way until Red receives a fire poker through the gut. And she dies. Not from the fire poker. She, like, is slowly dying. And then Adelaide takes the chain that she's still... The the handcuffed chain. Handcuffed with and chokes the bitch out (laughs) until she dies. Adelaide finds Jason, who seems apprehensive, but they take off regardless, reuniting with Gabe and Zora. They take an ambulance that Gabe and Zora found near the beach and finally drive away from all of this crazy shit. But in the final moments... Adelaide recalls the memory of finding her doppelganger in the mirror maze, but she wasn't the original. She was the underground dweller who choked out the original Adelaide and took her place. We end the movie seeing rolling mountains with a long, unending line of the tethered holding hands. Yeah, that was... I didn't know what to think about it, the ending like that, in the moment especially. Now, looking back, I mean, I've got a couple of thoughts on it, but I... Still don't fully understand uh, exactly what Jordan Peele was going for, but the Hands Across America doesn't really make much sense to me. Still, 
I don't really understand that that much. But I think obviously throughout the entire movie, the tethered and the people above ground were all, I'm assuming, supposed to represent social classes. If you're using Get Out for reference and knowing that both of the movies that he's had out so far, uh, Jordan Peele has used like Black Struggle in his movies. Mm Mm-hmm. For an un- underlying, at least. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tone. But in this one, I I didn't think it was that hard to follow that kind of deeper meaning the first time I watched it. It was obviously a, a class issue. I think a lot of movies do that now, like Parasite. And, you know, Asian movies for a long time have had that kind of underlying class issue in all of their movies. I mean, okay. Squid Game. Is yeah. one of them. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So it's not unusual to see something like this. I think it's more class than it is just completely racially charged. It's not unknown to the American people that uh, black people are still, to this day, segregated to their own communities where it's lower income, where there's, there's constantly issues. And uh, One of the things that I found interesting is that the doppelgangers only went after... Besides uh, the doppelgangers of Tim Heidecker and um, his family. They only went after themselves. Everybody else went after themselves. So it was like, if you see it as directly like crime, it was black on black crime. And then it was white on white crime. But as soon as the black people came into the white person's house, it was white on black crime. Mm -hmm. And then the black people were defending themselves. I don't know if that's really what he was going for for that necessarily. I think there's a lot of deeper meanings to it. There's a lot it more that like you it. can you can pick out of it. Yeah. And it probably deserves more viewings than we've given it. But uh, as far as I can tell, that's what that is. I know that the 11 represents most basically like the physical form of, of an 11 is two ones. Two parallels, yeah. Yeah. Which really seems like was the ultimate underlying tone was just i mean he even said it in the, the bonus features and stuff like that yeah it was just, it's more about the the duality of good and evil in each person yeah it's definitely a big underlying tone and the the thing that i really thought of too was specifically for adelaide and red because there was that switch red was actually the original adelaide mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. vice versa you could really see it, too, as bad overcoming good, but still ending up in a good place, which is kind of a contradiction. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when you come over, when you consider the other side, which is the good being overcome by the bad and then turning bad. Yeah, but it, it did make a lot more sense, just with Adelaide specifically, as to why she was the only one that... Out of all of the other doppelgangers that we saw, or read, I guess, yeah. was the only one that could actually speak. Yeah, the mm-hmm. only one that was actually capable of speaking. Instead of yeah. just grunts and yeah. sounds and screams. Yeah. Or no sound Or lack at all. of scream. Yeah. <laughs> she was the only one that was actually able to truly vocalize and actually make sense. That also made sense because if she was, you know, the tethered crossing over and taking her spot as a kid she wasn't able to talk after the incident yeah exactly she lost her voice over time it'd be the first time that she was actually speaking english in a very long time 
Yeah. She well, wouldn't really have a need for it in the underground. Nobody else well, speaks English there. True, yeah. Well, they're just like, they're not really living lives. They're just like... Kind of existing as yeah. the opposite of something, just waiting for the right moment. And even more of an, a completely overlying issue is that apparently these clones were completely government-run. It was in a government-run experiment that right. somehow they're, the clones are made from current people's DNA. I don't know exactly how all of that really works, but I think the message there is that the government controls the the classes of the people currently, yeah. and that's very true. You know, everybody kind of has their own privileges that they're born with, don't really have any choice in that. Right. You're kind of just stuck in those groups for your entire life. You don't really move up, you don't really move down, it just depends on where you're stuck at. But uh, yeah, but basically the government is um, controlling you. Everybody is like marionettes, and in the land of the free, you're not really that free. You kind of stuck, no matter what, in the place that you're supposed to be, and you kind of run the same course that they expect you to. Yep, it's pretty fucked. Nobody gets out. That was the first. (laughs) 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 A point that also I didn't really consider before. I started making the notes when I later asked who they are and Red says they're Americans. The fact that the movie is called Us, which is U.S. Uh, yeah. That the entire movie is essentially just an allegory for America. Yeah. She said, who are you? We're American. I think it's interesting. I don't know. American history is so fucked. Our country is supposed to be the land of the free, home of the brave. It's really just the... Land of bullshit. <laughs> Land of the manipulated, home of the manipulated. I mean, unwilling versus willing manipulation. Fuck. And, and no matter what, our country, uh, proven over and over again in other countries, just bullies people into submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either that or they have something that we want, like oil, and yeah. then we just provide them with everything that they possibly need. Uh, especially mm-hmm. if it goes against what we want them to do. Oh, give us the oil. You want weapons? Yeah, here's all the fucking weapons. Go ahead. Kill your people and yeah, our soldiers. Yeah, it's less people for us to worry about. It's just... It's fucked up, man. Yeah. It's not our fault, right? Allows us to use less bombs. <laughs> I guess that's one way to think about it. Uh, I don't know. American politics fucking suck right now. And, then I mean, I really just feel like this movie just gets more relevant. The more you think about it, the more time progresses. This is only a three-year-old movie. <laughs> For how much we're regressing as a country, I think that the racism is going to come back even more. It kind of already like, has. Yeah. It has. It's, yeah, it's, it's not getting any better. getting worse. But I think that it's more than a race issue at this point. It's more than a sex issue. Uh, it's, it's very much the top controlling everything and... Yeah, doing it in a specific way for a specific fucking reason. All right. He's climbing in your windows. He's snatching your people up. Ugh. <laughs> All right, we're gonna end the the deep conversation there because it was getting pretty dark for a while. Yeah. Uh, what we can get into now? Well, I guess we can say we all like the movie. I think we've discussed that enough. Yeah. It's a very good movie. Very good. Much. Dank. America, wow. A boom, what? A boom boom. Skitty pop pop. We don't know. 
Nice. Yar. <laughs> Good fucking timing. <laughs> All right. I get it sometimes. All right, here we go. <laughs> I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. I, I, I bet you really said it, though, right? Okay, Dan. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> None of the bumps really mix together very well. <laughs> no, no, not, not as much this time. I just try to pick as many key and peel. Yeah. I, kn- I know I wanted yeah. the bed intruder song for uh, the opening, but I didn't know where I would fit it anywhere else. He's climbing in your windows, he's snatching your people up. I mean, that's a fucking banger. Though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just, I still can't get over the fact that that was real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to come and confess. We looking for you. We gonna find you. We gonna find you. <laughs> so you can run and tell that. Run and tell that. Homeboy, home, home, homeboy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. I wonder if they ever caught the guy, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That that's the conclusion that we need from that story. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. fucking knows. <laughs> Are they still currently hiding their kids and wives? <laughs> <laughs> this neighborhood has been hiding their kids and their wives Are their for people 20 years. Still being snatched up. <laughs> More on this at eleven. Alright, let's move on to budget. <clears throat> uh what do y'all think that the budget of this movie was? Granted, this wasn't a Blumhouse. It was a Monkey Pop, Monkey Pop production, which is uh, Jordan Peele's production company. But he worked with Jason Blum, didn't he? Yeah, he he had Jason Blum as a producer, but his production company didn't work Released. on it. He okay. has just been he just offered money, I guess. But uh. but the thing is that Blumhouse is so well known for making very low budget horror films. Yeah. So basically, the only two people that I knew Tim Heidegger at that point I didn't really know as much. Yeah. It was uh Elizabeth Moss that yeah. I had seen in other things before. Elizabeth Moss is really talented. Yes. But beyond that I didn't see anybody else in anything else. At least nothing huge for them, the the role that they played. Nobody's like discerning a hundred percent they're the top build. At least in my mind for this. Yeah. I think I'd say the same. At, at least the first time that we watched it, that Laura and I watched it, because we watched it together, I I didn't know who Tim Heidegger was either. No. We only yeah. recently started watching Tim and Eric, and I mean recently, like, the last two years. Yeah, but which would have been after this anyway. Yeah, it was after. I didn't know who Tim Heidegger was. It's really funny that he's in it, just yeah. based on how fucking weird his comedy is. <laughs> I mean, I I guess that makes him able to relate to it a little bit more yeah or yeah. be able to get into a weirder role a little bit easier <sighs> fuck i don't know 20 thousand no <laughs> 20 million fuck no not twenty thousand. <laughs> all right what do you think uh that's a tough one what year was that again 2019 2019 it, it is an, an impressive movie but i don't think there's anything so impressive in it that warrants it being like a huge budget movie no. yeah especially considering fantastic four was 120 million dollars so. <sighs> i don't know, i feel like 20 is reasonable but something tells me he did it for less yeah it may have but uh, much less i gotta stick with the 20 i'm gonna guess like 12 Son of a bitch! 
So we're either way off, it, either way off, or somebody got it real close. Oh, Bruce, you got it exact. Oh. Oh, fuck off, really? <laughs> no shit. I said it's reasonable, but... Holy shit. It was Noise! 20 mil. Noise! So, Us was number one in the box office the weekend it released, beating Captain Marvel, Wonder Park, Five Feet Apart, and How to Train Your Dragon 3. Uh, opening weekend, it received $71,117,625. Yeah, that's good. good. Domestic box office came out to $175,084,580. International box office is $81,007,000. Damn. And worldwide box office altogether was $256,091,919. Not bad for a 20 mil budget. 20 mil budget. Jesus Christ. That's a huge profit. And Blu ray and DVD sales is $8 million. Little extra sprinkle on top right there. <laughs> I mean, they got to print out all the discs and shit, but yeah, and it is still a little bit on the top. Still a little sprinkle. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's insane. That's a huge opening weekend. That's fucking great. When did it come out? Was it like <laughs> 2019? No, no, no. The what month? It was March. March. Guessing that probably would have been the tail end of Captain Marvel. Yeah. It was only one week after Captain Marvel released. March 22nd, 2019. Ooh. Captain Marvel didn't really do that well, honestly. Unfortunately. I enjoyed it. I, I did. Like, I, I liked, liked Captain too. Marvel, too. Yeah. It, it kind of sucks that it didn't do as well as it should have. I, I don't think I like Brie Larson that much as a person, but I thought Captain Marvel was good. I don't know I don't know enough about her, about her as a person to, to make I've that I've just seen interviews. Out. She seems pretty fucking annoying, but... Some well, people are just weird in interviews. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And some people are just fucking annoying. That's yeah. that's fair. <laughs> Captain Marvel is good, though. I like Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, damn. That's a lot of fucking money. No wonder Jordan Peele keeps getting gigs. Yep. I mean, Let's hope Nope gets a lot of money. And didn't cost a shit ton of money. I mean, just based on what I've seen in the trailers... This is this is definitely a new scale type of movie for him though. Like this I'm pretty sure this is gonna be his biggest budget yet. Probably. Well, I mean that's just typically how it trends for directors that it just yeah. keeps going up. But yeah. I don't think it's gonna be that much more yeah, that from CGI what I have seen. Money. <laughs> there was CGI money a little bit in Get Out and Us. Yeah, but I mean like more. This one should be pretty nuts. I'm I'm really yeah. looking forward to this. Yeah. But let's get into the trivia here, and then we can talk about Nope after it. Because I think the trivia is really going to interest everybody here. Okay. So Jordan Peele gave the cast 11 horror films to watch so they would have a shared language when filming. This motherfucker's obsession with the number 11. (laughs) Fuck. It was Jaws, 1975. Yes. Dead Again. Dead Again, 1991. The Shining, 1980. The Babadook, 2014. It Follows, 2014. A Tale of Two Sisters, 2003. The Birds, 1963. Funny Games, 1997. Martyrs, 2008. Mm-hmm. Let the Right One In, 2008. And The Sixth Sense, 1999. Yeah, yeah. Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense was pretty strong in there. How yeah. many of those have you seen, babe? Uh. Well, what haven't you seen? There's very few, right? I've seen eight. Eight of them. You haven't seen The Birds? I have seen The Birds, yeah. Mm. You haven't I, seen Let the, the Right ones, ones In? No, I've seen Let, Let the Right One In. 
I haven't seen. I I've haven't, never even heard of it. Nope. I haven't <laughs> seen Dead Again. I honestly don't even know what Dead Again is. Nope. I haven't seen A Tale of Two Sisters, but I know what it is. I own it. I just haven't gotten a, around <laughs> to course. it yet. It's an Asian extreme film. Yeah, I know. I can see the cover sure. in my head. And I still haven't seen Funny Games yet, but I've heard a lot about it. That's right. Neither of us. It's a Haneke movie, and it's apparently real fucked up and very what grim. What is Haneke? It's the name of the director, Haneke. Oh. But, yeah, he's forcing these people to watch a lot of real fucked up movies. And this movie didn't get nearly as bad as... Not even close to Martyrs. No. <laughs> Martyrs is fucking... But I'm sure he know. chose those for a reason. Right. There and had I, to have I, been influence from each one. There had it's, to it's like the secret society that... Um, oh, that might be spoiling something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't really relate the yeah. movies yeah. without like spoiling why I think that he really... I don't know why, why he used Babadook at all. I really don't know why I used the Babadook. Yeah, Secret Society would be pretty good, though. Or it's just Society, right? For for what? For a reference point, Society. The movie. Uh, no. <laughs> Jesus, no. So. <laughs> well, 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 maybe. That one was just, like, really over-the-top body horror, though. Yeah, but what about, the, like, the, the context? Yeah. That's why I said, yeah, it could work. It's just so over-the-top. Dead again... Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. Wow. Andy Garcia. It's going to be a real pretentious movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to watch those movies. I hope they made the children watch Martyrs. I really <laughs> hope not. It's probably one of the hardest movies I've had to watch. And it doesn't have any rape in it. It's just all <gasps> graphic violence and torture. Buckets of fun. Yep. Next month. We're covering Martyrs, Martyrs, no. and Martyrs. Nope, and nope. <laughs> and the Serbian film. Chris, you could watch Martyrs, trust me. <laughs> the amount of Serbian film you made it through, you can handle Martyrs. I don't know if I want to subject myself to that shit again, though. No, I mean, Martyrs was, it was fucked up, but it was like... Still a really good movie. Yeah, it was good. Okay. Yeah. It's not just garbage like a no. Serbian film. Lupita Nyong'o based Red's voice on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and specifically the spasmodic dysphonia he suffers from. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much everything about that uh, is brand new to me. Kind of sounds like this. I said, bitch, I'm the man of the house. I'm the man of the house. I said, bitch. It just sounded like she was speaking with like a con, uh, constricted windpipe. Like. Yeah, yeah, really bad. I mean, that's what I kind of figured at the end of the movie because she got choked out by the little, the other little girl. I figured that she just got a crushed windpipe and she just can't really get it out easily. I did not even think about that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the first thing I that thought about. Not so that makes so much sense. Shit, I thought okay. the stretch was that she went so long without speaking. That's why it was. But I figured that's no, what they that were was, going for. That was the thing that I thought was just like, okay, well, sure. But yeah, the, the choke. Yeah. Fuck. Because she was like in the bed afterwards, like holding her throat. She was like, yeah. The things you miss. <laughs> I did not even those, consider those that. little details, yeah. Blew your mind. Yeah, you did. You, you really blew my mind right there. 
the filmmakers did not need to do much work on the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, as many games and rides are originals going back as far as the 1910s. Also, indeed, there is an underground tunnel system under the boardwalk, though sure. it is mostly used for storage and as a shelter in case of an, any emergency. There is no hall of mirrors, as shown in the film, on the beach. Yeah, I told you that wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> that was not there. It I know, I read the trivia already. I it just, it wouldn't make sense to have that there. It's just, like, right on the beach. Yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. No. Uh, Jordan Peele. Voice of the Funhouse narrator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could tell as soon as I yeah. started hearing it the second time. The words Get Out, which was the title of Jordan Peele's previous film, can be seen carved into the sides of the entrance of the Hall of Mirrors. Mm-hmm. Us grossed $71 million over its United States opening weekend, the highest ever for an original horror film and the second highest for an original live action film after Avatar at 77 million. Wow. Wow. Avatar only did 77 the first weekend. Mm-hmm. But I think if you don't include inflation, yeah. If you include inflation, that's probably a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. By sure. today's money. That's just a really impressive trivia. Like 71 million for a horror film. Yeah. That's insane numbers, especially for a horror film that cost twenty million. Mm-hmm. They like yeah. over tripled their budget in the first weekend. Yeah, the first three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nuts! Great, it's fucking nuts. Jason Blum, who had produced Jordan Peele's previous film Get Out, was asked to produce this one as well, as his low budget production company Blumhouse could not come up with the necessary budget. Universal Pictures hired him as a producer outside of his company on a one-time basis. Damn. It's like he did a favor. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Shit. Get, out, Get Out would have been one of Blumhouse's biggest properties at that point. Yeah. As well as Whiplash. So, yeah. how the fuck do you not come up with the funds? Where is your money going? Because I know how much your movies cost and I know how much they fucking make. He could have had it tied up in other projects or contracts for other movies. Who knows? Damn, how many other projects are you working on, though? That's You couldn't afford $20 million when fucking Get Out made more I, than this. And then Whiplash made like an insane amount of money for how much it costs. I don't know, man. They must just put a cap at like how much a movie should cost. Because and they won't touch it otherwise. Yeah, because their movies have all been fucking blowouts. I mean, they they go a long way with the money that they put into it, but yeah, it's just nuts that they wouldn't be willing to give that money to a director that made Get Out. Right? Yeah, somebody you know is gonna make the money back. Yeah, and he definitely did. Fuck yeah! The baseball game is tied at eleven eleven. And one team is Minnesota. Minnesota's team the is twins. the Twins. Uh-huh. God damn it, man. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All the details put into it. Did you notice that? No. That would be a pretty rare or pretty rare game to actually happen. Yeah. 11-11? No, yeah. the Twins-Giants. Yeah. In general. Oh, yeah. It would be a pretty rare game to happen. Random AL, random NL matchup. Yeah. 
the presence of white rabbits, the Hall of Mirrors, and the red jumpsuits worn by the Tethered are all references to Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. The Hall of Mirrors, in particular, represents through the looking glass, while the red suits represent the Red Queen, the villain of the story. Jesus. I Got Five on It by the hip-hop duo Lunas. <laughs> Is the song featured in the Us movie trailer and remixed into several scenes in the movie. The song was released in May 1995. Yep. It was certified a platinum single, 1 million units sold, in October 1995. The title is a phrase meaning to pay half of a dime bag, <laughs> a $10 bag of cannabis, yep. with another person. And I love that song. It's really good. <laughs> and it came, it, it hit platinum the month I was born. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the month was, and year that you were born. Right? Yep. Yeah. I was, yep, the month and year I was born. I was nine. <laughs> I got five on it. I had no idea what that song was until... Quite a few years later. Yeah, listening to it growing up, I didn't know any anything. I knew it meant you were going to put $5 down on it, but I didn't know what it yeah. was. But I was give it away when he said, messing with that end of weed. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was pretty naive. Very sheltered. Not sheltered. <laughs> the Bible verse that continuously appears in the film, Jeremiah 11.11, reads... Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Goddamn Jesus shit. Sounds like a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah. Basically. I'll bring evil upon you. And even if you say, no, 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 please stop, don't do it. Eh, fuck you. Yep. Rabbits are often seen as a symbol of prosperity. Ironically, rabbits are the main food source of the tethered, who, compared to their above-ground counterparts, have nothing. No prosperity in their rabbits. But they're all clones as well as them, so... Yeah. And they eat the right bloody... <laughs> they didn't have any way of cooking things. They had fire. They didn't know how to cook things. They were constantly doing the same actions that the above-ground counterparts were doing. Yep. And since they don't ever cook food, they just eat food. That makes sense. Yeah. Above-ground counterparts oh. going out for a McDouble. They're going out for a McRabbit. <laughs> McFluffle. <laughs> oh. McFluffle. A double hair with cheese. God damn. Stop it. <laughs> Looking like a doe white surprise. It came back. Of course it came back. <laughs> when young Adelaide enters the Hall of Mirrors in 1986, it is called the Shaman's Vision Quest Forest. When the Wilsons visit the same beach in 2018, it has been renamed Merlin's Forest. Mm -hmm. Although the other exterior and interior features appear to have remained unchanged, mm -hmm. this is consistent with the cultural shift that occurred between the 1980s and the 2010s. While it was commonplace in the 20th century to use Native American symbols to name institutions, sports teams, summer camps, military suppliers, etc., the 21st century saw a wave of pressure to adjust such naming conventions by rejecting cultural appropriation. Yeah, that's how you get the Washington football team. <laughs> how could they not come up with anything else? 
I get dropping the red skin moniker. It took them way too long to way to too long. change their name from the Redskins. It should have been. Changed. I get that. <laughs> That's insane. It should have just never that. been a thing. Like when? But, when did that team even like become a team? How long have they been around? Long time. Ago. Long time. Like how long? Though? Any estimate? I don't know. Fifties. Probably fifties ish. Yeah. Maybe a the, little bit and, after, but probably not a whole lot after. And it was acceptable. The first Super Bowl. Oh, was of what, course, though? it was acceptable back but, then. But it. But fifties. The first Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I it was either so. around yeah. there, or but I mean, late fifties. Come the like seventies, eighties, like Mm-mm. no, Mm-mm. no. <laughs> you think just racism ended in the seventies? No, that was, that was the height of black exploitation. Yeah, they're not gonna. Mm-mm. No, that's so shitty. But well, I don't know. Black exploitation really exploited the <laughs> black race that much. I think it was just it was making money off of the culture. Was really what black exploitation yeah. was about because yeah. it was it was white people making movies about black culture for the sake of making money. Yeah, that was the entire like definition of black exploitation. Now, current black exploitation is made by black directors, and they took it back, just like the word that we shall not speak. <laughs> Voldemort. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Voldemort. The black community took back Voldemort. Good save. Makes sense. <laughs> that bald ass bitch. I mean, it's a fucking stupid ass name, though. <laughs> it is a ridiculous name. Yeah. The initial cut of the film did not include the haunting remixed instrumental version of "I've Got Five on it. Oh. This good dark. Thing they changed it. Yeah. This dark version of the song was originally only cut for the film's trailer. Viewers responded very positively, thus yeah. encouraging Jordan Peele to insert it into the film's final showdown scene between Adelaide and Red. Yeah, Fucking which perfect <laughs> is such a standout in that scene. Yeah, I fucking love that remix of it. It's so haunting and so great. Anybody that says it in a horror movie, fucking listen to that version of the song. <laughs> yeah, fuck seriously, it's creepy and. Intense. Menacing and dark. Yeah. In addition to Jeremiah 1111 being seen written on a sign twice, the numbers 1111 appear frequently throughout this film. When Gabe is watching a baseball game on TV, the announcer says that the game is tied 1111. When Addie and Jason are talking in his room, the digital clock reads 1111 p.m. Mm-hmm. Also, a carnival worker in 1986... And one of the twins in the present day both wear a t-shirt for the band Black Flag, the logo of which consists of four vertical black bars. Okay. Uh That resemble the number 1111. And obviously the sign. And again, at the end of the movie, when the ambulance is driving down a windy back road, the camera pans out to show the ambulance's number 1111 on top of it. Missed Mm -hmm. that. Oh, the dude that was holding the sign? Yeah. On his forehead, the tethered version? 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 Jesus. The tethered version had 1111 tattooed on his forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Several aspects of the tethered's appearance and plan tie into Adelaide's last memories of her life above ground. The tethered all wear a single glove, which was also a fashion uh, accessory of Michael Jackson. Yep. Yep. 
Adelaide's father won her a Michael Jackson Thriller t-shirt just mm-hmm. before her abduction. Likewise, Hands Across America, which for most Americans who lived through it, was a relatively minor and forgettable moment, loomed large in Adelaide's memory as one of the last pop culture events she could remember from before her imprisonment. Which is why I think at least that Hands Across America thing was so relevant in the movie. Yeah, and that's the best explanation I could give for it, because... Otherwise, I don't really know why it happened. She also, uh, I remember in the the scene as young Adelaide was in the the locker was the Hands Across America shirt. And yeah. it was almost right. built up as like a shrine. So that was that was her like beacon, I guess, like the one thing that she could focus on for the future. Fuck, almost made that a religious experience for the tethered. Yeah, man, it's nuts. I think for, like, these smart movies, it really benefits you to look deeper into the symbolism and meanings of the movie. Because if you just look at it on face value, it's kind of a confusing horror movie that at the end of it, that juice might not be worth the squeeze. <laughs> just because sure. of how confusing and weird it is. Yeah. How it doesn't really explain everything to you. I mean, the twist is nice at the end, but I don't think you'd really benefit from just watching it coming and expecting, like, a second get out. Yeah. No, not at all. It's not the same movie. When you say in the trailers that it's the director of Get Out, a lot of audiences are going to be yeah dumb enough to think that it's, like, oh, a it's sequel. Get Out Part 2. Yeah. Or it's something relating to Get Out, or it's going to be similar because directors can't branch off from what they've done in the past. They can't make something totally different, which is just proven wrong time and time again, but that doesn't matter, I guess. I was just reading a little bit about Hands Across America. It was not a successful event. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I know. But they had so I've only heard about it in passing. They had so many people involved in it. Yeah, but it sounds like they spent money. all the money just getting the people yeah, to it, fucking make it happen, and then there was nothing else after that. Yeah, it costs fourteen million to organize, and <sighs> they what raised was the initiative for though. Were they like raising money? Like childhood for... hunger, I think, is what yeah. it was. Oh, it's a good cause. Yeah, it is. They got five million people to participate in the Lincoln mm-hmm. for fifteen minutes, but they. Ultimately, only profited one million dollars. Oh, so they spent fourteen million to organize Jesus. it, and they, oh. but they gave fifteen million to charity. So it just means like they just went in the hole. Yeah, because they still had to give that money to charity. Well, there's a reason it hasn't happened any more times yeah. than once. Yeah. Oh my god, <clears throat> that sucks. That's fucking horrendous. Yeah, and that was in the eighties. Fourteen million in the eighties. Yeah. <clears throat> all right well i think we could finish it up i mean yeah. we're all we're all done with trivia yeah all right well as always thank you for listening i said bitch i'm the man of the house i don't really know how that relates <sighs> i don't know why they keep cutting in okay dan i've got my eye on you jake sorry Cullen. any jake quellens out there listening to this podcast currently there's none i know there's at least one son of a bitch there's definitely no Arabs listening to the podcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? 
But everybody that sure. is, everybody that is, <laughs> come back next week. We're going to be talking about the brand new Jordan Peele movie called Nope. Until then, you can email us at beandubpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our Twitter and Instagram. Twitter hasn't been updated for, I think, like four months now. But Instagram is consistently updated anytime we release a new episode. And as soon as I'm not so bogged down with work, I am willing to put more effort into the social media game. But our, our social medias are at BeanDubPod on both platforms. We're not yeah. on TikTok because we're not a, a visual standard or YouTube. And we're not, we're not like 12. Unless there's a random animator out there that wants to, you know, take clips and animate it. For a very low cost. <laughs> free. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free 99. <laughs> <sighs> free payments of free 99. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, and, I mean, I know we don't have a big crowd of listeners, but does anyone else out there have cats that just yowl all fucking night long? Like, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure there's people that do. There's gotta does be. Anybody else have more annoying animals, or like even close to the level of annoyance we deal with daily? I don't know. I'm very curious. I mean, it gets so much worse when we're doing the podcast. It's usually not even this bad. Seriously, it's, it's fucking ridiculous how crazy it gets when we're recording. It's because it's late, it's quiet, and none of us are paying any attention to them. And we're all Thank in the, the same out. room. All right, let's finish this up. Ridiculous. Uh, if, if you want to leave a voice message for us, you can click the anchor link at the bottom of every single one of our descriptions, and you can sign up for an anchor account. I know. It's not that much fun, but I mean, someone did it to Just send us. Create a burner email. Fuck it. Just do yeah. it. Alex Jones set up one for <laughs> us. I mean, yeah. you're better than Alex Jones. You can do one. G Baby did it. G Baby sent us twice. a really good message. No, he he didn't send us a message twice. He he did I a did. review and then a message. G Baby is very active with our podcast, which we love him so much for. Go listen to his podcast, Waxing the Porpoise. My God, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week that they have, and apparently his friend um, is a card counter, like a professional, really? like traveling card counter. No shit. Insane. Fucking great stories. Go listen to that because it's like Sweet. way more captivating than I could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but obviously, if you want to leave a voice message, you know what to do. Please do. Do it, do it for me. Please. Please do. Any kind of interaction. Give me content. Yeah. <laughs> and I love you always. And peace. Good night. <laughs>